And I welcome you to What's New. We continue today in Acts chapter 10, moving on to verses 24 through 43. Luke now begins to fill us in on the meeting between Cornelius and Peter, and he writes, They arrived in Caesarea the following day, and Cornelius was waiting for him, and had called together his relatives and close friends to meet Peter. As Peter entered the home, Cornelius fell to the floor before him in worship. But Peter said, Stand up, I'm not a god. So he got up, and they talked together for a while, and then went in to where the others were assembled. Peter told them, You know, it is against the Jewish law for me to come into a Gentile home like this, but God has shown me in a vision that I should never think of anyone as inferior. So I came as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me, what do you want? Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying as usual at this time of the afternoon, when suddenly a man was standing before me clothed in a radiant robe. He told me, Cornelius, your prayers are heard, and your charities have been noticed by God. Now send someone to Joppa and summon Simon Peter, who is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner, down by the shore. So I sent for you at once, and you have done well to come so soon. Now here we are waiting before the Lord, anxious to hear what he has told you to tell us. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that the Jews are not God's only favorites. In every nation he has those who worship him and do good deeds and are acceptable to him. I'm sure you have heard about the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus the Messiah, who is Lord of all creation. This message has spread all through Judea, beginning with John the Baptist in Galilee. And you no doubt know that Jesus of Nazareth was appointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were possessed by demons, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Israel and in Jerusalem, where he was murdered on a cross. But God brought him back to life again three days later and showed him to certain witnesses God had selected beforehand, not to the general public, but to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he sent us to preach the good news everywhere and to testify that Jesus is ordained by God to be the judge of all living and dead. And all the prophets have written about him, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. My faith has gone, no resting place, not in a man-made creed. I trust the me will plead. I need no 
Here to bring us our study for today is Pastor Henry Harder. Peter was praying when he went into a trance and God showed him a vision. He saw what looked like a sheet coming down from heaven filled with all kinds of animals, ceremonially clean ones and unclean. God told him to kill and eat. It was noon and he was hungry. Peter refused. I said yesterday that there was a double focus or lesson in this incident. For one thing, it taught Peter that the dietary restrictions of the Jewish law and traditions had now been superseded. We now go back to creation, not to Moses. In Genesis 1.31, God had said everything was good. No animal was ceremonially unclean anymore. The principle of freedom was established. But there was much more to this vision than just that lesson that related to food. Peter was being prepared to go to visit the Gentile Cornelius in his home. This vision told him that no Gentile was unclean. It taught him that Gentiles, too, were candidates for the love of God in Jesus. The Jews considered the Gentiles unclean in part because they did not limit their food intake to kosher. So the matter of food and the matter of Gentiles is here combined. Food distinctions were removed by Christ, and so were racial distinctions in religion. The gospel wasn't exclusively Jewish. All persons needed to be saved. Christ was for all. Christ cleansed all food. But God in Christ also cleanses all humans who place their faith in him. No race, religion, or nation has an edge on one another. So this vision cut a wider swath than just food. It touched on Jewish-Gentile relations. By the time Peter recovered from the shock of the vision, the three from Cornelius' house had arrived. Peter descended from the roof of Simon's house by the outside stairway to meet them. He invited them into the house. It was too late to return to Caesarea, so they spent the evening there. That must have been an exciting and revelational night. Perhaps other Christian Jews joined the group. Discussion must have been lively as both the vision of God to Cornelius and the vision of God given to Peter were discussed. Jews and Gentiles were together in a tanner's house. The next day the party started back for Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them with a group of relatives and friends. Peter speaks. He was inside the home of a Gentile. That itself was revolutionary. Luke records his words in chapter 10, verse 28. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. By those words, Peter swept away centuries of prejudice. It is true that the Jewish nation was chosen by God to be agents of his revelation, but that choice was never because of favoritism or partiality. 
It was an indication of God's grace. By that choice of God, Israel became responsible for God's message. They were the vessel God wanted to use to make himself known to the world. A tremendous responsibility was laid upon Israel by that choice. I say again, God chose Israel as a vehicle of revelation. He didn't choose them because he favored them or was partial to them. Peter may well have been somewhat embarrassed to talk this way to these Gentile God-fearers. Actually, it was difficult for the Jews to associate with Gentiles for several reasons. Number one, of course, was the idol worship of most Gentiles. Number two, Gentiles didn't tithe. So for a Jew to accept his hospitality and food was to accept at least a part of what didn't belong to that person. Number three, there was the matter of food that wasn't kosher or that might have been sacrificed to idols. So for the Jew to retain his religion, culture, and traditions, it seemed best to stay away from Gentiles and not to accept their hospitality. But here was Peter. It was a tremendous revolutionary step for him to take. Normally, he would have been considered ceremonially unclean. So his words, I say, swept away centuries of social prejudice to admit that no person is unfit to associate with, to admit that God has no favorites, that all who fear him and do what is right are acceptable before him. Those of us who aren't Jews cannot appreciate the revolutionary nature of Peter's act and comments. After hearing from Cornelius, Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. This is the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Then Peter recounts details of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then he adds that Jesus Christ commanded us to preach that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What a tremendous word that was for the Gentiles in that house that night. To hear from a Jew that they were included in God's plan of salvation, that they, who had been considered as droppings from a bucket, could receive forgiveness. That word forgiveness must be one of the most beautiful words in any language. Christ Jesus came so that we all, Jew and Gentile, might have forgiveness. That is the removal of all sin and all guilt once and for all time and eternity. Here are Peter's words again. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name.
Snow's radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.